0: Hello again, and welcome to another Conservative Historian podcast. This one entitled, Awareness of Certitude. November 2020, I'm Bell Avis. It's a little ironic that, as I am uh, recording this, Awareness of Certitude, that the presidential elections have now taken place. We don't, as of this date, because this is Wednesday, November 4th, yet know who the President of the United States is going to be for the next four years. But one thing we are absolutely certain about, the polls, which had biting up by at least nine points and some 12, were completely and utterly wrong. These pollsters, who were proven wrong in 2016, went about their business, cheered on by an adoring press, as if they... Had that certitude about what they were doing. And as has already been noted, they, like that adoring press, got this election wrong. And now, on to our podcast. Quote, In all affairs, it's a healthy thing now and then to hang a question mark on the things you have long taken for granted, unquote. Bertrand Russell. Quote, Ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. It is those who know little not those who know much, who so positively assert that this or that problem will never be solved by science. Unquote. Charles Darwin, The Descent of Man. In the introduction to Mao Zedong's famed Little Red Book, Lin Pao, a general of the People's Liberation Army, provides an introduction. Quote, he has inherited, defended, and developed Marxism-Leninism with genius creatively, and comprehensively, and has brought it to a higher and completely new stage, unquote. This stage was the mass murder of tens of millions of Chinese, and Lin's fate, after a failed coup attempt, was to die in a, quote, plane crash, unquote, while attempting to flee the country. Apparently, Lin decided that Mao's genius had limits. As far as that little red book goes, Mao himself states quote, whoever sides with the revolutionary people is a revolutionary, but whoever sides with imperialism, feudalism, and bureaucrat capitalism is a counter-revolutionary, Unquote. Mao adds later on in the book, quote, after the enemies with guns have been wiped out, there will still be enemies without guns. They are bound to struggle desperately against us, and we must never, ever regard these enemies lightly. If we do, nor now raise and understand the problem in this way, we shall commit the gravest mistakes. Unquote. And just one more: Quote, history shows that wars are divided into two kinds, just two kinds. There is the just, and there is the unjust. All wars that are progressive are just, and all wars that impede progress are unjust. Unquote. But behind Mao's certitude lay a lie. Quote, The only way to settle questions of an ideological nature or controversial issues among the people is by the democratic method, the method of discussion. Why, of criticism, of persuasion, and education, and not by the method of coercion or repression. This came from one of the most oppressive figures in all of history. Mao was a liar, Mao was a tyrant, and Mao was, above all things, absolutely certain. When I was a freshman in college in a small liberal arts university nestled in Wisconsin, I had a chance encounter with brazen certainty. I was standing next to a conveyor belt upon which dirty dishes rolled past. My role was to make sure of the dishes, rinse them, and place them in the giant Hobart dishwasher. That day I was joined by a person we will call S.T., he was a known figure around campus, especially given that the total student body of this particular university was 1,200, or probably roughly a single dorm at UW-Madison. St. sported a half-shaved head, multiple piercings, and was clad in all black. He was over 6 feet 2 inches tall, but could still hover easily over my relatively diminutive 5 foot 8 in his customary slouch. His bad boy, rebel costuming, was not lost on several young women who wished to see the wild side of campus life. And he was, well at least to his fellow students, an intellectual. Being an 18-year-old freshman who had seen some, but not really much of the world, ST's presence on that line was notable. It was one of the few times I ever saw him down in the washing basement in all of his outsider glory. But it was this questioning of me that remains in my memory all of these decades later. That day, he presumed to ask, really rather quiz, really rather interrogate, whether I was politically active. Now remember that this dishwashing shift was three hours. So, you know what they say about idle hands. Even though we were busy, his brain was not. Therefore, he decided to uh, do a personal struggle session with me. He, When he asked about whether I was politically active, it wasn't in a general sense, of course, but in the leftist programs that such a figure held dear. Then, as they do now. Being my immature self, I was more interested in watching basketball, going to parties, talking to pretty girls, and paying off my student loans. More my speed at that point in my college career. I did not say as much, but rather mumbled something about being busy. At this point, ST told me, and not in a kind way, quote, Okay, apathetic asshole, I hope you rot. Unquote. What? I was more than a little stunned. During my young life, I engaged in schoolyard fights, had yelling matches with members of rival schools, and sometimes would fall out with my friends, more than likely to make up later. But no one ever wished this type of bile upon my head. I later learned that St. came from a wealthy family outside of Milwaukee, was picked on in high school for his goth-like wear, and that his actual intellect, well, was wanting. But what struck me was not just the words extolled, but the force of conviction behind them. For St. It was not enough to encourage me to become more involved, to learn about a world beyond the five feet circumference around my body. That was something worth considering. That was something that a liberal arts college was supposed to uh, drive forward. No, the core of the message was not in question, but rather the certainty of his delivery, that if I did not adhere to his worldview, I was worthless. If I was not championing his causes and beliefs, I was simply and utterly wrong. It is highly problematic, as a historian, to say that such certainty has not been with us since the beginning of humanity. One imagines the tribal leader, or pharaoh, issuing commands with the certainty of always knowing the best way. The X factor, the new thing, are screens. Some of the best concepts of the mind, the apex of humanity, have often come through reflection. Screens do not offer that opportunity. Go to any location where humans gather, even in COVID times, and you see the screens. Even though there is these multitude of opportunities for social interaction, the interaction is not with other human beings. The interaction is not with one's mind. The interaction is with the screens. We are always connected, always being fed a continuous stream of information, often in controversial statements and invective. We read, we ingest but we do not process, we do not think, we barely reflect. Sometime around 600,000 years ago, Homo sapiens made their appearance on the plains in Africa. Hunting and gathering were the order of the day, but with the agricultural revolution around 14,000 years ago and the invention of writing around 5,000 years ago, humanity encountered something new, downtime. From those peasants along the Indus or the Tigris banks, life could then afford moments fleeting moments but moments nevertheless of thought and reflection. Some of them would become priests and very few would rise to rulership but these humans thought and they reflected. Reflection is the enemy of certainty. Learning the opposite of ignorance. Take the significant issues of the day from immigration to human-made climate change to budget deficits to racism. None of them has an easy answer. There is no one-size-fits-all, but that does not mean that there are not a host of pundits and pontificators who will peddle the absolute path. I do not begrudge Bernie Sanders or Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez their opinions, but rather their certitude, for as the sun follows the moon, their convictions, their absolute certainty will lead to horrible decisions, because they are without reflection, they are without study." Some of the greatest evils perpetrated in humankind have been at the behest of certitude. Whether mass religious conversions, empire building, or genocide, none of humanity's heinous acts were committed by those with a reflection on their actions. When Emperor Qin Shi Huangdi ordered the construction of the Great Wall, it was with conviction. It was also with the cost of 400,000 lives to build the thing. When Mao, the aforementioned Mao, realigned Chinese agriculture in the 1958 Great Leap Forward, he did so with certainty, leading to millions, tens of millions of deaths. Today, as President for Life, Xi Jinping orders crackdowns in Hong Kongs, or the Uyghurs mass imprisonment, he does not hesitate. He knows best. And this is an example of just one nation over history, the Holocaust Perpetuated by the Nazis in the middle of the 20th century was the culmination of centuries of Jewish murder, including the Rhineland massacre of 1096 to the murder of Jews by German Christians during the Black Death. These German Christians were certain. This is not to say that certainty does not have a place in society. Yes, frequent listeners of this podcast will know that I, though I have not gone to a Star Trek convention and I do not dress up as Star Trek characters, no pointy ears on me, I do love Star Trek. And so I'm about to go on a Star Trek digression. Uh, Please bear with me. There is an excellent Next Generation Star Trek episode featuring the Enterprise Captain Jean-Luc Picard and the ship's physician, Dr. Beverly Crusher. In this episode entitled Attached, the pair is mentally linked by an alien race and can hear each other's thoughts. This situation is wrought with drama, considering that Picard was once in love with Crusher but suppressed his feelings because of his friendship with her late husband Jack and then later due to guilt over Jack's death under his command. Now, sometimes timing makes a cruel joke of us. In this case, is no exception. As I watch this particular episode... My wife, not a huge Star Trek fan, actually witnessed the scene where Picard and Crusher have to decide on a path of escape. Faced with two alternatives, Picard, ever the captain, makes an immediate choice. A bewildered Crusher realizes, perhaps for the first time, that Picard does not actually know the best way, but appears to know. Since that show, my wife has introduced into our marital lexicon the concept of a, quote, a Picard. Unquote, meaning making a decision but not knowing whether it is best. And believe me, that episode has plagued me for the last 20 years. Picard's certainty, or the appearance of his certainty, could be his and Crusher's undoing. But not in any particular so- situation. But even as commander of a spaceship, could be at any time. Therefore, is this certainty a bad thing? Yet leadership requires a certain sense of certainty. Who wants to follow the person who frequently questions or second guesses their own decisions? Decisiveness can be a virtue, but even in Picard's example, his choices, his certainty, is not grounded on sand, but rather the solid foundation of a person's experience. The fictional Picard, like a real-life figure such as Horatio Nelson, did not wake up someday, and the powers that be provided him with a big ship. Instead, he had to rise through the ranks, not only acquiring invaluable experience, but in previous lefts' impactful decisions, demonstrating sound judgment. And these decisions would not be evaluated by a fickle public, but rather the sober evaluations of others who also had to demonstrate leadership capabilities. And that judgment would have been further reinforced by his subsequent decisions, including his failures and the reason for why he failed. Bernie Sanders has seven decades of experience, but it is in the very narrow sphere of government roles. And yet, he aspires to dictating policy over every aspect of American lives. Ocasio-Cortez has virtually no experience nor a body of work to demonstrate any judgment and thinking she is the Kardashian politician, famous for being famous and famous for being certain. As far as those who might even have the experience, who might have expressed sound judgment, who might have a track record of successes in their wake, even that, even that kind of certainty born out of experience was still limited within the government that this founder set up. The founders knew that even the best of us, if too certain and dictating policy that would affect the entire nation, needs to be limited, needs to be checked, needs to be questioned. Hence the separation of powers. Hence why the executive is checked by the Congress, the Congress is checked by the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court in some ways is even checked by the executive. And on and on it goes. This is why limited government and checks and balances are so are so incredibly valuable. It forces the reflection upon which I had spoke earlier. In his work, entitled Certainty," Ludwig Wittgenstein wrote, quote, One says, I know, when one is ready to give compelling grounds. I know relates to the possibility of demonstrating the truth. Whether someone knows something can come to light, assuming that he is convinced of it, But what if he believes is of such a kind that the grounds that he can give are no sure than his assertion? We're not talking here of momentary decision, nor whether we have hands, which was the primary debate that Wittgenstein had had with another philosopher named Moore, but rather whether a singular political policy that will affect the lives of hundreds of millions for decades to come is the right one to say that we need to eliminate all fossil fuels and all right to work in all states, open our borders, grant citizenship to 20 million people at a stroke, eliminate police departments, or destroy private health insurance. All proposals from the left are not considered policies, but rather decisions made with certainty. One of the most egregious of this type was the Affordable Care Act. It was so important to get the thing through Congress that Speaker Nancy Pelosi would not let her caucus see the full text until after passage. She was so sure it was best for the nation, and history has proven her wrong. And finally, no less than Barack Obama's spiritual guide, Saul Alinsky, stated in his infamous Rules for Radicals, quote, The human spirit glows from that small inner light of doubt whether we are right well, those who believe with certainty that they possess the right are dark inside and darken the world outside with cruelty, pain, and injustice. Unquote. Linsky was referencing rightist movements, but fascists do not hold sway in Cuba, Venezuela, Mali, Russia, or Iran, where cruelty, pain, and injustice hold sway. No, those would be leftist ruling there, and all of them are absolutely certain. Well, I absolutely certainly hope that you enjoyed this particular conservative historian podcast and look for additional podcasts, essays, book reviews, and videos at www.conservativehistorian.com. This is Bell Avis. Thanks for listening.